0: Let me ask you a question. When you've been traveling, do you you ever notice the guardrails that are on the road? Do you ever take a look at them? And uh, why do you suppose they're there? Now I'm just asking you, why do you suppose that they're there? Protect on the road. Keep you on the road to protect you from what? Wrecks. Could be from a wreck. Keep you from from hazards, right? In other words, there's a guardrail there because there must be something on the other side they don't want you to get into. I, I noticed when I when I traveled in uh, in eastern Tennessee that uh, you know you get there and you're in the Smoky Mountains and you're in some of those places and and uh, have you ever have you ever been where the the freeway there's as you go down a very steep hill particularly like around Chattanooga in those places Interstate 24 and Interstate 75. When you go down some of those long hills, like you're headed up to Knoxville or whatever, man, they've got a place where you go down that steep incline, you know. You go down there, and then all of a sudden over here, it looks like an exit, but it's not an exit. and uh, And it's got a bunch of gravel and stuff built up. It looks like, you know, if I was on a set of skis, it would look like a ski jump, you know. But what's it there for? It's there to keep that 18-wheeler from just flying off the road he's to take that when his brakes fail or has a transmission problem he's intended to go up that thing and the idea is that what's at the end is steep enough strong enough to keep that thing from overturning or just flying off into one of those huge ditches and uh, and it can be it can be a dangerous thing and so i want to talk to you about some guardrails <coughs> You know, for godly living tonight, and I'm not trying to be clever. I was just thinking about some things that have been put in place to help us along the way to keep us out of danger. And usually when you find guardrails on the highway, typically they're found in areas where the curve in the road is too flat. You know, they didn't get the superintending of the elevation there right. You know, it, it, You know, not all the curves look like uh, the... Uh, like the Daytona 500 Speedway. If you ever been out there, I've been on the infield of that when I was a kid. It used to cost a dollar and uh, go to the Firecracker 400 and the Paul Revere Correction, the well the Firecracker 400 and the Paul Revere 250 the night before. But it cost a dollar to go in the infield. You you drive through the tunnel, you come out there, and you'd be right on the track, you know, and it's steep embankment, 45 degrees and so forth. But most of the roads around here are not like that. And so they put those guardrails up to keep you from running off the road. Or sometimes a physical change in the roadway increases the likelihood that, that you're going to have a problem, a wreck, an injury, bodily harm, or whatever. And, so, uh, and, and the purpose for this is because people don't always exercise good judgment. Sometimes we're just going too fast and uh, and so so there's some uh you know there there's some things here i think that that we could look at and so i you to go to proverbs chapter 4 with me look please in verse 23 and let's begin tonight in the time that i have left i won't keep it too long notice what it says verse 23 says keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life the issues of life, and so that word "keep" there has to do with guarding. To guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. I'm in Proverbs four and verse twenty-three. Y'all see that? Keep your heart. For uh, keep your heart with all what? With all diligence. So you got to work at this a little bit. If you're going to be diligent, that means you're going to you're going to be. Oh, it's a it's a twenty-five cent word, but it's called fastidious. It means that you're going to stay at it. If you're going to do something diligently, it doesn't mean that you're going to do it for a little while and then you quit. It means you're going to stay with it and you're going to look after it and you're going to keep doing it. So it has a duration to it. And so don't we have to guard our hearts? Why? What did Jeremiah say? Our hearts are what? Desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And so we've got to guard ourselves against some things. And you know, your heart, you know, the heart is used about, I want to say about 200, I think it's. I forget how many times. Oh, the word heart is used 800 times in the Old Testament. And 200 of which have to do with your thought life. Your thought life. And so the very first guardrail that I got for you here is I want you, you and I, we need to mind our thoughts. That means that we need to be actively engaged in our thought life. Because you know what? Your thoughts and my thoughts, they matter to God. I can't emphasize that too much. How our thought life matters to God, and so because you know what, there it, it's wonderful to have a to have an to have an active imagination. Do you remember having one of those as children? I know it hasn't been that long against some of you. I mean, some of y'all still have pretty active imaginations. You imagine yourself doing all kinds of stuff, kind of like my father-in-law. Amen? He Imagined himself doing all kinds of stuff, going to get a sailboat and and do all that. Anyway, I love him and so forth, but he's got an active imagination and, uh, and it's good, you know, because you know, your, your age is just a number. But it's what happens up here. Now, you know, when you're a child and we see, you know, man, we didn't have, uh, we had creeks and stuff. And so, man, if I found an old piece of wood, I'd try to shape that maybe a little bit like a boat. It might have been just a chunk of a tube before or whatever. And I'd put a pencil in it or drill something. And, man, make it look like a boat. We'd get down there and, and just let it float down. And, man, then we'd try to blow it up. We were airplanes. Get uh, it you know, all that stuff, right? I mean, if you grew up in the country, I don't know what y'all did in the city. But, uh, I, you know, Chase rats or whatever I mean I don't know but I just know this we had to have an active imagination because we didn't have Nintendos and Game Boys and all this stuff you had to, you had to entertain yourself but you know it, it's not healthy to have a runaway imagination because sometimes you can you can imagine a vain thing do you remember what what and, and you say well does the Lord really monitor what we think about he absolutely does don't you remember in Genesis 6 what did he say about the minds and thoughts of men in those days that they were evil continually weren't they and they were wicked every imagination and and you know when this is especially true when you and i we have in other words what i'm talking about here is ruling your thoughts and the problem comes in in our down times it's when you're by yourself and sometimes you're just mulling things over it's especially true When you're not actively engaged in something, you say, well, man, Brother Ed, I mean, I'm retired and I'm up in years and I've just earned the right just to sit at the table and do nothing. You have to be careful about that because you know what? Your thoughts can get you in trouble. Remember, what did it say? You know, the Lord didn't say that. You know, how do you you commit adultery in the New Testament under grace? You just have to think upon it if you look upon Joe lust, that's your thoughts what about what about man I don't like that guy I wish he were dead You commit murder in your thoughts yeah. you're guilty and so our thought life matters and it's something that we that we have to take seriously and so that we have to be engaged you know it's not good when you just when you just let your vehicle just sort of freewheel you know when I went to get Debbie I just didn't look at John and say man there's a nice hill we got going Look, son no hands <laughs> I didn't do that I didn't put it in neutral man I'm gonna save the diesel let's just put it in neutral coach I didn't do that try to stay engaged and you have to stay engaged in your thought life with your thought life to think on the right things to think to think on the things that are true about God and about yourself you know what happened to David do you remember what happened to David what did it is a cool evening and he goes up on top of his roof and you know what the scripture says there, we're not turning there, but the scripture says it was the season when kings go to battle. And David didn't do that. Others went and David stayed at the house. And he got up there on that rooftop and he got to looking around and what do he do? He sees this woman and that's Bathsheba. And then the thought processes begin, right? David, or Nathan, when he was talking to David about it, only called it a traveler. But you and I, we have to be concerned about the thoughts that we allow to remain in our thinking. And what happened? We know that David got into trouble, and it changed his life. What did the Lord say? The sword's never going to leave your house. And that was true. And what happened in the dark, God exposed on a rooftop with his sons. wouldn't think just a little thought could cause that much trouble. But it did. And I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I'd like to walk with God like how David did, but I don't think of myself as a, as a David. You know, and we hear about other men that get into trouble and things that happen. It puts a fear in me. Why? Because you know what? As long as we're drawing breath, as long as we're living in this old, unredeemed flesh, the potential is there. And it usually starts with a thought, a thought, and uh, and so God's interested in what we think about, and in particular how we think about ourselves. How do you think about yourself? <laughs> it is something. It is something to consider. You know your thoughts about yourself. The Scripture says this in Romans twelve. It says what? It says not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but we're to think soberly. All right. And, and which, I, which I just think means an honest appraisal. And I'm not talking about our prideful thoughts. I'm just thinking about how do you think about yourself? In other words, well, man, I, you know, a lot of people go through self-loathing. Well, I'm just no good. I'm just the least of all them and all that. You got to stop all that. God saved you. If he saved you by the grace of God, then you're a child of God. You don't have to hang your head down. You don't have to beat yourself up. The devil will do all that for you, remind you about how sorry you are. You know, I understand that, but you know, but have the right thoughts about yourself, having the right estimation of yourself. It also means, you know, taking a little taking a little stock in how do you think about others? What do we think about other people? Well, there's a bunch of sorry folks. Man, that's just human debris out there. You'd be surprised, some of our thoughts sometimes. You know, when I hear people speak in the government and all, and I just shake my head sometimes. And I, I have to, you know, I have to be careful about that because the scripture talks about not speaking evil of dignities and so forth. And I don't want to be like the brute beast of, of the book of, uh, of the book of Jude and so forth. I don't want to be like that. And so I have to get my thoughts in order. Do you remember when David was in the cave and there was Saul over there? And he's got his men around him. And he said, man, you can get him now, David. Look, he's asleep over there. There's his spear. Nobody's watching him. He said, man, you ought to go ahead. I mean, now think about it here. David's got, even his men are going to support him in this. He's got the urging of all these things. And what did David do? David went over there and just cut the, just cut a little bit of his skirt. Just cut a little bit of his, of his, of his clothes off and brought it back. And then how did David feel? Man, David felt terrible about that. Why? Because he had touched God's anointed, but it started with a thought, and it was urged by others. But only you can control what you do. You can't control what other people do. But it starts with dealing with your thoughts. So you got to mind your thoughts, beloved. L- listen what the Lord told Solomon. He said, "Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind, for the Lord." searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. What did David say? Psalm 139. Thou knowest my thoughts afar off. And even the words that are in my mouth, I mean, he said, you already know them. You already know them. So beloved, we got to be concerned. We we need to think right about ourselves. We need to think right about other people, about others and you know and and particularly when they are blessed or have the right thoughts about that well why did they get that gosh i've known them for a long time and they're sorry and they got that lord we've got to learn to put those things in the right perspective and you even have to have the right thought about yourself when you're being blessed well look at me i must be doing something right (laughs) yeah i don't know but you got to be careful about that right and then your thoughts about putting down here the omnipotent your thoughts about the lord what are your thoughts about it i i, I spoke with someone this week and then that we were talking about something in the bible they had some questions and and uh and, and, and when i would point well i don't agree with that well, well you know what god didn't care if you don't agree or not he didn't ask you whether or not you're going to agree he said or not you believe the bible you know, it's like, well, God said it, I believe it, therefore it is. No, 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 God said it, and that's it. Yeah. Good. Doesn't matter whether or not you believe it or not. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you understand what I mean. And uh, and so we got to mind our thoughts. Look at verse 24. Go back to chapter 4. You're still there with me? Look at verse 24. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. So we not only got to mind our thoughts, but you got to mind your tongue. It's the only only part of the body that I know that the Lord gave a whole chapter to in the book of James about our tongue. A froward mouth is a mouth that says whatever it thinks or feels, and it doesn't matter who's around or wherever it is, and it doesn't matter who it hurts. We don't have to verbalize everything that we think or feel. perverse lips he said put away far from thee perverse lips carnal speaking crude corrupt speech we ought not to talk like sailors amen, amen. or the old thing or truck drivers any truck drivers out right there we ought not to man that's why you can't hardly have you couldn't i couldn't have a cb radio I used to have one but good night the trash that's on that stuff i'm a ham radio uh, personally, I don't have my stuff set up here, but I'm a ham radio operator. And you know what? They monitor that. And if you say something, you curse on there, or you, you start talking about things you shouldn't talk about, you'll get a letter from them because somebody is monitoring in the FCC. And they'll tell you, hey, bud, you keep doing that. You're going to lose your license and they'll pull your ticket. And so the book of James talks about talks about a, a good spring and a corrupt spring. As if to come from the same person. He said, and brethren or beloved, it ought not to be so. What we talk about, our speech ought to be elevated. When I got saved, God took away that vocabulary that I had. And gave me a different vocabulary. And put some things in my heart and mind that I recognized wasn't right. So I I don't speak the same way that I spoke. I don't use the same words that I used to use. And we ought not to have gutter talk amen we ought not to and so we need to keep it clean we need to keep it right and and here's the thing about it you know a lot of times when we're around other when we're around friends i guess we should put it like this a lot of times we show restraint when we are around strangers because they don't know us and sometimes we don't show the same restraint when we're around our family or our friends we sort of let our guard down And we have to be careful about that. You know, Proverbs said this, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. What happens in conversations usually? We're talking about minding our tongue. What happens in conversations? Usually if you've got business to conduct, When people get done with that, a lot of times they just linger on some things and they talk about other things and then, hey, did you hear about this? And what happened over there? No, I didn't know that. Next thing you know, man, the conversation's going in the wrong direction and it just goes down. And that's why the Bible says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. In other words, when we keep talking, when we ought to be ending the conversation, sometimes, you know, sometimes, have you ever had a conversation and when you got done, and you just felt dirty? Yeah, because you got on the wrong topic, got on the wrong subject. And you need to cut that off before them. That's why you need to be mindful of your words. Words have weight, and words make a difference. You know, the scripture says where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. If you don't put a log on the fire, if you don't add something to what you've heard, and you know what I don't think you ought to be a I don't think you ought to be a dumpster either. You know what I mean when I say a dumpster. What I mean is, people shouldn't just come to you and say, "Boy, did you get the latest, Brother Mel?" What I heard about Brother So and So and So and So, and this is what he did, and, blue, and you know, every time there's something negative about someone, you know, I call Brother Mel, let him, you know, that ought not to be. Or I would do the same thing with one of you. It ought not to be. And so uh, we need to keep those things. You know, what does it say about charity? Charity covers a multitude of sins. It keeps it quiet because who gets the glory when somebody fails or falls? I don't want the devil to get the upper hand. Do you remember when when Saul and Jonathan died? Do Do you remember what David said? You'd have to go back there and look it up, but he said, tell it not in Gath. David wasn't happy about the death of Saul. And certainly not about the death of Jonathan. But he said, tell it not in Gath. Well, Gath was where the Philistines were. He didn't want them to rejoice. He didn't want them to get that kind of news. And sometimes I've had to tell some of my friends, you know, I'd have to say, brethren, we ought not to be talking about this. And somebody has to be, have the courage to say, I don't want to talk anymore about this. This is not right. Or when somebody says something negative about someone, you know what you ought to do? Yeah, that, okay, all right, I'm hearing you, but you know what? You, you realize how many good things that they have done? Now, when I think about this, brother, this is what I think about, and their generosity, and how they've helped other people. I, I, think, I think those things have to be counterbalanced. Because we've all had bad days. Amen? Amen? Would you want somebody only to report about you on your bad days? No. And so... If we would do our best not to carry tales. Proverbs 17, 9 says, He that covereth the transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that you do the same thing over again. No, it means when you tell a story about one friend to another friend, that maybe, well, do you know what they said about you? I thought they loved you. Why in the world would they say that about you? And there are people like that. They don't like being. They don't like being what we call it—the spare or the fifth wheel or whatever. You know, what do they say? One is alone. Two, anyway. Three is a crowd, right? And sometimes they try to put that person out. So, what does that person do? Well, I want to be included. So, so now they're going to tell something between these two people to bust up that friendship. You say, would people really do that? Absolutely, they would. You know, we live in a selfish society. And even Christians can be selfish. So, beloved, we've got, to, we've got to watch. We've got to mind our thoughts and we've got to mind our tongue. And when I say mind it, I don't mean obey it. What I mean is you've got to get the reins on it. James said, you know, the tongue the tongue, no man can tame. And I think that's no lost man. David said, I set a watch over my mouth. Psalm 141. David was aware of the dangers of his words and what his tongue could do. And so you and I, we have to be careful about that. Number three, let me give it to you. We not only have to mind our thoughts and mind our tongue, but you know what? You've got to mind your temper. Look in Proverbs 14 with me. Proverbs 14. Are, are you having fun tonight? Amen. Amen. I'm just trying to give you some guardrails. Amen. I'm trying to keep you out of trouble and uh, i'm certainly not fussing at you i I want you to think about these things because man we all are subject to provocation we're all subject to hear certain things and not everything you know some things just need to die with us and not let it go any further because you have to ask sometimes who is this going to help if i repeat this how is this going to help the situation now there are some people in their pride they love strife, and so they tell things just so they can watch other people fight because, I don't know, they just, they just love the strife. <coughs> they take pleasure in other people's downfall. Makes them feel good about themselves. It's a shame to live like that. Mind your temper. Proverbs 14 with me, please. Look in verse 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. That's the part I wanted you to see. He that is soon angry. Doesn't mean you don't get angry, but you shouldn't get soon angry. It's one of the disqualifications for a pastor. It says that he's not soon angry. It Doesn't mean that he doesn't get angry, but just not soon. When we have, you know, the, the, the book of Ecclesiastes says that anger rests in the bosom of a fool. Because they just don't understand the damage that they're doing when they lose their temper. You and I have got to mind our temper. And, 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 and so here's what you have to do. You have to ask yourself some questions. Like, Why am I angry? <laughs> Why am I angry? You ever been around somebody just angry all the time oh my gosh you know some of those folks they look like they were baptized in pickle juice you know they're just all puckered up dried up angry all the time bitter Man, i don't want to be that way you've heard me say that before but you have to ask yourself why am i angry do i have the right to be angry not all anger is sinful the lord jesus got angry cleansed the temple he certainly didn't sin when he did that. It was a righteous indignation. But I submit to you that most of the time, it's frustration for us. Things aren't going the way that I want them. It's just not working out for me. It worked for everybody else, but not for me. You know, gosh. You say, well, man, brother, Ed, yeah, because, you know. Part of the reason why I went to an electric weed eater is because whenever I pull on that string, whenever I pull on the rope for the other one, man, you know, in my, in my world, the rope comes out of the weed eater. I know that never happens to you all. And I said, so that's why I'm going to electric. It's not because I'm a green piece guy or whatever, and I'm just going to go to electric. I don't have to fool with that little uh, two-stroke motor all the time and whether or not the little bulb is right or something gets in the fuel line and all that. I don't want to fool with that but my point is I have to ask myself why am I angry And then I have to ask myself have I been guilty of the same thing that they're doing in other words did I do to somebody else what they did to me and you know what you'd have to answer that question you just put it in you know uh, you all know what a font is right do you know what a font is F-O-N-T that's the size of your type So the bigger the number the bigger the print so whenever you and i have to admit something like did i do something to somebody else like they have done i I put that in small fonts like a six and type the word yes (laughs) but when they do it yes 24 point yeah that's big yes they did i have to ask myself why am i angry and have i done the same thing to somebody else and how did they respond to me Maybe their response was more Christ like than what mine was. These are things that you have to think about. These are things that you have to take the time to keep the horse in from getting out of control. You got to mind your thoughts. You got to mind your tongue. You got to mind your temper. Because can it get you in trouble? Yes, it can. Can it damage other people? Yes, it can and and you have to ask maybe you have to consider that maybe they do this in ignorance that they didn't know what they were doing to you you have to consider that you say well they ought to know well yeah that's true but but look about us have we ever done it maybe we didn't even realize that we did it we weren't aware of what jesus said on the cross father forgive them for what for they know not what they do not everybody's aware or interested in how their behavior affects the people around them They, they wake up in a new world every day they're living in their own world and they're not really mindful about the people around them mind your thoughts mind your tongue mind your temper don't let it get the best of you last thing mind your time the book of ephesians says in chapter 5 verse 16 it says redeeming the time knowing that because the days are evil to redeem the time simply means making the best use of the time that we have remaining what are you doing with your time There's 168 hours in a week. Did you know that? And there are 10,080 minutes in that week. And I wanna say there's like 86,000 seconds in a week. (laughs) And here's the thing, you got rich people, poor people, middle class, no class, upper class. But the thing that we all share in common is the gift of time you cannot say beloved well they have more time than me no they don't they have the exact same amount of time that you do it just depends on how you're managing your time how come they're able to get things done and i can't maybe they're better managers maybe they're putting the priorities in the right place but the same amount of time is available to each of us do you remember it used to be what was that, that, uh, there used to be one of those soap operas that said, like, uh, sands in an hourglass or something, <laughs> so go the days of our lives, you know, okay. you know, and so, and so the time that we've just spent here, this, this uh, 60 minutes that we've been here, maybe a little more you got here early or whatever, we, we, we can't get that back. But do I think that this group, you think that they in the back, you think they've redeemed, do the, you think we've redeemed the time? I think we have. We've been fellowshipping, been at the house of God. We worship the Lord, hearing a little something from the word of God that we can take with us. I think we've redeemed the time. You know, somebody wrote this. His name was Dr. Benjamin Mays. He said, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to me just how I use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give an account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute. But eternity is in it. And you think about it. How are we spending our time? Are you making time for the Lord, for your family? And don't, look, look, look over, I want you to look over at Brother Julio. I want you to look over at him and I want you to tell him this. Kids grow up faster than we think. Did you see? I got a hearty amen. They do, brother. Love on them. Lead them. Have time with them. And uh, and you know and so so time for the Lord. If we're going to be what need to be as grandparents, as we're going to be brothers and sisters. That other people can count on in a church. We've got to spend time with the Lord. Because you become like those with whom you spend the most time. Right? As iron sharpeneth iron. So does the what? The countenance of his friend. In other words as iron sharpeneth iron. So does one countenance sharpen the other one. As we spend time with the Lord. That has an impact upon us. Which has an impact on the people around us. So we've got to manage our time. Listen. Your thought life matters. Your tongue matters. Your, your I mean, go, go, back to, go back to chapter four with me and I'm going to be done. And we keep our hearts. And listen, your thoughts affect all these other areas. Your thought life affects your tongue. Your thought life affects your temper. Your thought life helps to affect the time that you have. And it's a precious gift and we can't get it back. Can't get it back. Look at this. I want you to see it. Look, look in verse 24. Verse 23 is about your thoughts. Verse 24 is talking about your tongue. Verse 25 is talking about what you see. Verse 26 is talking about the steps that you take. And the warning is don't go right or left. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. It affects some things. Your thought life affects your speech it affects your sight what you look at it affects your it affects your steps the things that you do and the places that you go so much is built around our thought life got to keep them in mind there's some guardrails that you and i need to put up to keep us out of danger amen? amen amen all right let's pray father thank you for the precious word Thank you, Father, for your dear people. And Lord, I pray that we'd be strengthened with might in the inner man. God, help us to embrace these truths and take the warnings, Lord. There's a reason why those guardrails are up. Help us to have some in our life, Lord, to keep us where we need to be, walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen.